Morning, everybody. And welcome, welcome. We're so excited that you're here today. It feels like uh, every week is just, a, for me, it's just a journey back to Sunday and getting to be with you guys and hang out. I want to point out a couple things, and I don't usually say this, but uh, our dream team this morning did an amazing job. I can, I can give, give you just this little piece of information. Even if I explained it, you wouldn't understand what was... I barely understand what was going on this morning, but the, the worship team did not get a rehearsal, so they just did what they did without a rehearsal. <laughs> and they brought it, and it's early without a rehearsal. They just came and worshiped the Lord, and we have such an amazing team of talented worshipers and musicians and just being to be a part of it, being able to be a part of that is a, a huge blessing for me. Guys, I don't know if y'all know this or not, we could just come to church every week and just put YouTube on the screen. So when we started, I thought, hey, maybe we will. It was like three or four weeks before our launch day. We had already planned to be here, and we didn't have any worship team. We were like, uh, well, I guess we can do uh, um, YouTube worship. But thank God every week, God has been adding to our team, not just on the worship team, but the people who work behind the scenes, they're all over this room and all over this building to make sure that we are safe, to make sure that things sound good, that we're looking for excellence in everything that we do. That's the setup team, the takedown team, the nursery, the kids. I don't want to miss anybody because you guys do such an awesome team. It's 75 or 80 people every week that just, they're killing it. And so thank you guys for doing the work, for letting me be a part of such an amazing dream team. Yeah, they can get another hand. Also, our creative team. I thought I would share a couple things with you before we jump into Blessed Attitudes week number two. Uh, if you are new around here, I, I love our creative team. This, this week, like new pens and printed stuff show up. I, I don't do that anymore. I, I used to, Angela and I used to think through what can we do, but this week, all kinds of new stuff just comes for you guys, and I want to point this out. They work really hard on the notes. How many of you guys are note takers? Everybody knows that people who are going to heaven take notes. <laughs> Just kidding. Just joking. You should take notes, though. Seriously. <laughs> Leaders are learners, and uh, we want to study to show ourselves approved. One thing that you can do is if you have notes every single week, get the little free clicky book. You already paid for it. We're not going to charge you for it. You, you pay for all of those things with your tithes and your giving. I, I do... Thank you for, for being such a, a generous church. Last week we talked about generosity. Last week we talked about giving from our hearts. And uh, I, I'm thrilled to be a part of this church. And um, we, are, we are working with the body of Christ and doing so many really, really cool things. I want to welcome you if you're a guest today, if you're brand new. And uh, I'll just go ahead and give you a warning. If you're watching, maybe it's the first time that you've ever watched Relate. You're just saying, hey, I'm going to check this out. We're going to talk about something today that we haven't talked about in a, about three years. And that's on purpose, although it is one of those things that if you can get it, if you can get past your own bias and allow God to work on your heart, I promise this is one of those things that will impact your heart. You can carry it with you for the rest of your life and you will remain changed. A lot of times people say, hey, Pastor Sean, I love it when you preach deep messages. Give us something deep. And usually that means uh, say something complicated. So it's hard for me to, so I just stay complicated the whole service. I'm confused and, and then I figure it out. And then it feels like this revelation. Listen, that 
always isn't the most beneficial thing for us. Sometimes the most deep things we can get in the gospel are very simple, and yet we just haven't done them yet. So there's your challenge. Let's dive into the deep things of God, and I promise you, the things of the heart are that. The things of attitude, they, they are very deep, and they are concerning to God because the scriptures tell us over and over and over again that God doesn't care about what's on the outside. And yet somehow we always shift our attention back to what's on the outside, the clothes we wear, how we act, the things that, the things that are outward. And yet God says over and over and over again, I see the heart. I'm looking at the heart. I'm, I care about your heart and what's in our heart. So many things. Last week we talked about uh, we relegate giving to just money. It's not. It's forgiving. Are, are you a person that is able to forgive easily? Because if you are, that your heart is giving. If not, your hard heart will not allow you to forgive. You're holding grudges, and that's not what he wants from us. He wants to freely love unconditionally the way he loves us. So we take his example. He wants us to freely forgive. He wants us to not pass judgment. This series that we're in right now, we're staying mostly, spending a lot of time uh, based in the... Uh, the greatest sermon ever preached that Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's also in Luke, but we see this message. It goes three chapters, and this is the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus says over and over, especially in chapter 5, at the very beginning, if you do these things, you'll be blessed. Like, change your heart to these things instead of these things. In fact, he says, he repeats this phrase, which We'll look at a few of them today, but in, in the next few weeks, we're going to break out and unpack the Beatitudes, or, or, or what I like to think of as beautiful attitudes, the things that are in our heart, the way we perceive the world, the way we respond and react, the lens that we see the world through. It should be pure. It should be holy. And watch this. He says, you have heard that you should act this way. You have heard that you should... Think about things this way, but mm, no, you should do it this way. So go back and reread that. Sometimes we just think, what's the newest thing I can read? And we need to get to the basics of what makes us who we are in Christ. So if you do this, if you will work on your heart, if you will, uh, I think of it like this, like our heart is like this ground that the seeds of the gospel, the seeds of wisdom, the seeds of power fall into our hearts. The words of God, the word of God falls into our heart like, uh, like a field that needs to produce fruit. And we're farming and sometimes our, 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 our field is so hard that the seeds can't go in. So let's let our hearts be soft. Let's let our attitudes be soft before the Lord. So today we're going to jump into week number two of blessed attitudes. And if we can get this right, then God will bless us. And so I want to shift our attention just a little bit. Today, we're going to talk about something. Last week, we talked about the heart and how we have to get it right. And now, everybody say, prove. Prove it. Now we're going to prove it. Now, how do we prove something? Usually, to prove something, we have to take a test or we have to test like gold. You want to prove this is real gold? We have to do some kind of test. We could do uh, basic tests that may or may not prove, may, like back in the day, they used to bite a gold coin to see if it was real or not. Now we have much better ways of testing. There's, but, but we really want to test and see, is this really what I think it is? This last uh, two weeks ago or so, I was challenged uh, 
to an arm wrestling contest. And I stood in that just in the split second and, and just thought to myself, am I good enough for this test? <laughs> and there was a crowd around and I almost said, no, I don't want to take this test. <laughs> and then I thought, wait a second, I know who I am. <laughs> I said, no one can beat me. So now I probably get challenged again. <laughs> but right? We go in. Sometimes we're full of confidence. Sometimes we're the exact opposite, and we're like, no one can beat me. And turns out I won the arm wrestling contest, and I didn't stick around long enough to be re-challenged. And I didn't stick around long enough for a rematch because I thought, I got one in me. I could do it one time. But sometimes we shy away from the test. I remember uh, when, when my kids were younger. Now they're 17 and or 18 and 19 years old. They're, they're adults now. But I remember they were younger in school, and, and, and one of them, I won't say which one, came home and said, I did really bad on a test, like really bad, failing. And I said, oh, Mac, what does that mean? What, what do we need to do? How are we going to do better on the next? No, 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 don't worry about it. And I said, what do you mean don't worry about it? It's a test. I grew up in a world where tests mattered. And they said, uh, don't, I, I can just retake it. And I said, what does that mean? You just retake it. And retake it for how much? No, no, well, I retake it for whatever I make it. They'll keep that score. And, and I thought, what kind of test is that? And I said, well, what happens if you don't? You better study. What happens if you don't do very good? They said, well, if I don't do good on the next test, I can just keep retaking it till I do it right. And so I said, that doesn't even sound like a test. But how often in life do we have to, like, legitimately, we have to keep taking a test until we pass it? How often do we get these moments in life where we can't overcome this obstacle? We have to keep trying. We have to keep, and, and if we don't pass it, we can be stuck there forever. I think probably the most obvious uh, illustration of a test that has to be passed is a COVID test. Like, even still, I've heard people say in my, with my own ears, I've heard people say, no, no I'm not going to take a test because if I take one and fail, then I can't go to work. I thought, Wait a second. <laughs> wait. Wait. That that that's so backwards. But we think about tests so differently. A lot of times we won't take them. We'll resist. No, no, no. No, not me. In fact, I I remember seeing not too long ago um I think on YouTube, people, guy walking around like New York City or different cities with the diamond tester, just stopping people and asking to check their chains. Can I test your diamonds on your chain or your earrings? Or, and inevitably, people are like, sure, test it out, and beep, it's real. And then there's the other people that are like, uh, no, 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 not, not today. I, I don't have time for that. So clearly, they don't want to test because they know it's not real. They know they can't pass the test. So sometimes we do resist taking a test so that we can just keep moving on and we think we can just circumvent or go a different way. This, I want to talk about a test today that all of us, whether you want to or not, you're taking it. Because it's a test in the Bible. In fact, you may have never even considered that God tests us, or you may have never even considered that there's a test in the Bible. And I promise you, if you will Open up, your, open up your heart and open up your eyes and see, how can I pass this test? How can I put my heart in the right condition to pass the test? Your life will be changed forever. So you can write this down in your notes. God tests our hearts. And the test comes here. And I'm going to prove it to you. And I'm going to show it to you. And even if, even if 
you think this doesn't apply to you, I want to show you how it does apply to you. So you take the test every time you get a paycheck. Every time someone hands you money, you get a check written to you, someone gives you anything, you take this test. And so what happens when the test comes, just for the record, I, I want to see something. How many of you guys get paid or you get a paycheck every month? Raise your hand. Okay, you don't have to say how much it is. <laughs> How many of you get paid maybe every two weeks? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you get a paycheck every single week? Okay. How many of you don't get a pay? No, don't do that. <laughs> we'll pray for you that you can get, get the right job with the right paycheck. Listen, every time you get that, whether it's every week, every two weeks, or every month, or however often it comes, sometimes you get two checks a week. Sometimes you get income or increase from different places. And every time your life is increased or your finances are increased or your gifting is increased, we have a test and we either pass it or we fail it. And that test is literally God saying, who are you going to love and trust and thank for this? Like when the paycheck comes in, the test, the test is not you saying, no, 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 God, I love you. I trust you. I thank you for this. That, that, is, that might be a reflection of what's in your heart, but that's not to prove it because he literally wants us to prove it by how we respond. And so when he says, do you love me and do you trust me? He's saying, do you love me for that increase or do you trust and love and worship somebody else or something else. Because sometimes when we get money, we go ahead and pay visa. We go ahead and write a check to the school, write a check to the mortgage. And those are all of the things that are getting credit for what we are honoring and loving and trusting. And I can prove that to you. I want to show you, uh, I'm, going to, I'm actually going to give you a lot of scripture today. So one thing I'm going to do that I don't usually do because there's so much scripture today. You have a lot of those scriptures in your notes. You don't have all of them and there's some big chunks, but I want to get to all of it. So I'm going to be, as I'm reading these scriptures, I'm going to try my hardest. I'm committing myself to not stop every line and talk. So just, that's, that's what I want to do. I want, I want to stop and unpack it for a little while, but I'm going to give you as much scripture as I can, and we're going to dive deep into this idea that when not just giving, because there's a difference between giving money. Last week, giving is not just money, but there's a difference between giving. Even if you categorize the giving part of money, there's a difference between giving money and tithing. So today, I want us to talk about tithing. Like I said, we haven't talked about this in three years, but I need you to know this. And once I tell you, it, you've heard it, and I'm not responsible to tell it to you anymore. So I'm going to give you Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I'm going to give you six or so verses. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Everybody say, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed. In other words, that's why I haven't killed you yet. O sons of Jacob, Verse 7, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Everybody say ordinances. Ordinances are like principles of ordinary behavior. That means um, this, this is the, these are the way we do things. This is the way we operate. And these are my ordinances or my ordinary behaviors. And, I, and you have not kept them. And then he says, return to me. I'll return to you. That's a, that's a, a promise. If you return to me, I'll return to you. Like, return to my ordinances, my ordinary principles, says the Lord of hosts, but 
You said, in what way shall we return? And so, I wish I had time to stop. I could probably talk to you for hours on the idea of spiritual infrastructure. There are things that you don't, you look at your life and say, this doesn't reflect the kind of blessing, the kind of life. And when I say blessing, I don't just mean that I have won the lottery and now I have more money that I know what to do with. Or I have all my things taken care of. Or I have no adversity. No, I think in fact, we can be, we can have so much adversity and still be absolutely blessed. But you look at your life and you say, I'm not blessed. I don't feel close to God. I'm not He's saying, if you will return to me and the ordinary principles of behavior that I've shown you, then your life will reflect the blessing that I promised you. And that is building those elements of spiritual infrastructure around us. And that can look a lot of different ways. I'm going to keep reading. Will a man rob God? You have robbed me. But you say, in what ways have we robbed you? So first they say, how have we not returned to you, God? Well, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. And he says, and then the the people are saying to God, in what way have we robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. That offerings, that's the giving part. The tithes, that's the other part. Two different things. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me and even this whole nation. So he's saying, the whole nation has left my my principal operations, the way that we operate, the, the things, the, the way I want to do them. So bring all the tithes into the storehouse for your sakes. The storehouse, that's God's house. That's the church. That's, that's the, the place where we worship, the house of worship. That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord. That word try, that's the test. One translation calls it a test. Prove, prove me now in this. Test me in this. Try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, pour out you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, typically, I've heard this verse probably a thousand times when it comes to take offering. The pastor reads this verse and we don't spend much time talking about the principle of tithing or how it affects our lives and what real blessing is. We're going to go a little deeper. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Watch this. For the last six weeks, we've been talking about the spiritual world and the natural world, the physical world. There are laws and principles at work in the spirit and the scripture calls it the unseen world and the seen world or heavenly places versus earthly places. And if we do the things that he wants us to do, he says, not only will I bless you, I will rebuke the devourer. That's two things that happen whenever we give, bring our tithes and our offerings so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit from your field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, we'll just stop right here. I know I'm talking fast, getting through the verses. This whole chapter, like all of Malachi, this entire book, I know it's in the Old Testament, so you might be thinking, well, you know, that was before Jesus. So when Jesus came, everything changed. Watch this. This entire book of Malachi is the prophet giving the Lord's message to the people, you need to return to me. So the first chapter, you need to 
return in your faith to me. Leave the other things behind. He says in chapter two, you need to bring your family back to the Lord. You need to bring your homes, your households back to me. In, number, in chapter number three, your finances. You have to prove that you've come back and not just say we're back. And then he says, after you return to me, I will return to you. So in the scope of attitudes, in the scope of our heart, in the scope of this series that we're in right now, Absolutely, we have a culture that is like just going down the toilet. When you look around at the world, when you see the, the, the direction that things are going in, I think that every church and every Christian should not be standing up and, like we talked about last week, Matthew chapter 5, judging Matthew chapter 6. We should not be pointing our finger and condemning everyone. We should be standing up on the mountaintop saying, let's turn our hearts back to God. Let's return to God, not saying you're all going to hell if you don't, but let's love people and let's give from our hearts. Let our hearts be a reflection of the way that he unconditionally loves this world. And so I want you to know this today, that tithing and giving, two things, tithing and giving, are both ordinary principles of behavior in the kingdom of God, in the spirit and in the, the, the seen world. So here's, I'm going to give you three quick things, three quick ideas about tithing. Number one, tithing is a test. We've talked about that. Tithing is a test. And that test, what's it testing? It's testing your heart. That's crazy to think that God says, I want your hearts, and I want your hearts to do this, 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 and this, and this, and the way I'm going to test your heart is tithing. Because the first thing we think whenever somebody says it's time to bring your tithes or if you'll just give 10%, which is what tithe means, the word tithe means 10%. The first 10% is the tithe. And I, I think that's incredible for God to say that. It's not like a, uh, an increasing tax scale. This is fair for everybody that gives. So if somebody gives me $10, boom, the first dollar is God. If somebody gives me $100, boom, the first $10 is God's. So not only is it fair, but God gives us this physical way. It's very easy to figure out. And if you, if you haven't ever read through the Bible, if you do read through the Bible, you'll see that God is absolutely a God of numbers. He absolutely counts everything to see. When he created the world, it says that he looked at it to see, is it good? And when he saw man, hey, there's some, we need to make some corrections here. It's not, it's not good for man to be alone. So God looks and when Jesus preached, when Jesus did things, he, they counted how many men were there that day. How many people came into the church that day? How many people got saved that day? And so I think numbers matter to God. I think if you look at nature, there are numbers throughout DNA and science everywhere around us, the things that are proving what God does and what God is. But throughout the Bible, we think, we hear the word tithing, we think, well, the, God just, need, just wants my money. The pastor just wants my money. He sa he's saying, no. This is a test of your heart. And the first thing we think, the first thing so often, we hear it's time to give, we hear it's time to tithe, and our hearts immediately go to, no, nah, I don't have to do that, that's not, that's not for me. And we disqualify ourselves to, from passing this test, and so we don't take the test. The number 10 is actually... Throughout the Bible represents, if it, it, I, I usually don't talk about this, but I think it's so interesting that 
When you look all throughout the Bible, everywhere 10 is mentioned, it's usually a test. Let's do, uh, let me show you what I'm talking about. The number 10 in scripture usually means a test. How many plagues in Egypt were there? 10. Some of you are like, I don't know. I don't know how many. That's, that's actually not just how many plagues, but how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart through 10 plagues? How many uh, commandments were there? 10 commandments. Everybody should know that one because you probably saw the movie. Because there were 10 times that God tests our obedience, 10 ways that God tests our obedience. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? God tested his heart. He was tested 10 times. How many uh, virgins were tested in Matthew chapter 25? 10 virgins. How many lepers? Jesus healed 10 lepers and only lepers and one came back. 10. Okay, how many disciples were there? Uh Uh-oh. Pass the test. Second service won't pass the test. (laughs) Tithing is a test. Tithing tests our hearts. So Malachi gives us this clear idea and breaks down, but we also see it throughout the Bible. It's not just in the Old Testament. I'll show you how it's in the New Testament. I'll show you how it's pre, not just in the Old Testament, but it's pre-law. So before the law was given to Israel, tithing already was a part of ordinary, the ordinary principles of behavior. So God says, test me. God says, basically, prove me, try me. And so I'll give you the same challenge. You may not be a believer that, nah, I don't think tithing applies to me, or I'm not going to be cursed if I don't tithe. Or here's, here's my challenge. I'll give you the same challenge that I got probably 30 years ago. Whether you think or you can rationalize it or not, God says, try me, test me. This is a test that, that goes both ways. This is a test that is a two-way test. Not only do, does God test our heart by saying, hey, if your heart's right, you'll tithe. Bring the tithe into, into my storehouses and I'll bless you. He says, not only that, but we can test him. Test me. See, it's a two-way test, and it works every single time. I don't have to promise you because he already promised us. Here's the problem. In order to test God, and I think this is, we think, but if, if I give 10%, I'm going to have to rearrange my whole life. If I give that amount of money, then it means I'm going to have to restructure and reprioritize and I'm going to have to not do some other thing. I'm going to have to not pay something else. I think that's the point because if we're not putting God at the front of the list and then everything else gets in line behind him, we're not doing it the way he wants. But if we do that, he says, I'm going to bless you. In fact, he says, I'm going to bless you so much you won't be able to contain it. Every nation on earth is going to look at you and call you blessed. So we believe in the principle of the ordinary principle of tithing. Some people say it's the law, the law of tithing. It's like gravity. It works whether you believe in it or not. So if you think, well, tithing was part of the law of the Old Testament, so now that doesn't apply to us because we're in the New Testament, New Covenant. Jesus gave us, fulfill the law, we don't have to do that. So there's lots of things in the Old Testament, lots of things in the law that still apply to us. Like, do not murder, do not steal, or else I wouldn't have to take tithe, I wouldn't have to take an offering, we could just 
catch everybody at the door and, and uh, ask you to pull your wallet out and grab the money. <laughs> that, <laughs> if it didn't apply to us. So here's the deal. If it's wrong under the law, is it not right or is it still wrong? But I, I want to show you real quick that tithing was actually hundreds of years before the law. So whether the law fulfilled it or just proclaimed it, and it still works today. I think it's a principle. We believe that it's a principle and have proven over and over that it's a principle that still works. So number two, tithing is not just a test. Tithing is biblical. One of the first things I think of whenever I think of tithing is this. I think uh, like when, when the kids were younger, it doesn't work so much now. When the kids were younger and they were in the backseat and we would drive through for, let's say, a hamburger and french fries, that I could take the dad tax and I could just take a little bit as I'm handing it back. Or if it's ice cream, I can take the ice cream and just get my bite off the top because the dad tax. <laughs> All the dads know what I'm talking about. You just get nowadays, they're old enough to, to, to tackle me from the back seat and it's not worth it. So, <laughs> but I know they really love me when they want to share anyway. I want you to know this, and we're going to just take a quick pause. If you're not a tither, if you, if, if you, even if you don't do that, I don't think that you are bad or rebellious. I think what happens is people don't know that it's in the Bible, or they've been told that it doesn't work or that it doesn't apply to them. And so we just take this information, and we just think, oh, disqualified. That doesn't really fit my life. That doesn't work for me. Again, I'll just challenge you to try it and see what happens. Try it for 30 days, 60 days, because I promise you, I remember the first time I ever, it ever hit me, I was probably 12 years old and I had in my hand more money than I had ever had before that point. And a lot of times people, people have these memories of, well, I had my first paycheck as an adult at my new job and I decided, listen, this wasn't that, I had $40. I distinctly remember it was... It doesn't seem like a lot of money, but I was sitting in church and I was listening to the pastor talk and I was like literally shaking, thinking, I have to give some of this. <laughs> but I knew that out of $40, I didn't have to give much, right? I only had to give $4. But something inside of me, I had seen people be so generous this last week. And I mean, last week I told you about, about this, about how I had seen modeled in front of me generosity that, that didn't make sense. And I decided that, that, that moment, God, I know I need to give $4, but I have more money in my hand than I've ever seen, and I gave all $40. And that might not seem like a lot to you, but I have never worried about money since that moment. I'm, I'm just telling you. I think about, we make plans and strategies and think, God, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? And I've never worried about whether or not God would provide for me. Or whether or not I'd have money whenever I need it, because it always comes. I want to show you in Genesis before the law. It says, then Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he, and he blessed him. Abraham is, is uh, meeting with this guy, like in the desert. Abraham's on his journey. Abraham is in a tent, and here comes Melchizedek, the, the, the prince of Salem. Salem means peace. And he blessed him and said, 
Blessed be Abram, name later changed to Abraham, of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave him, this is Abram at that point, gave him a tithe of all. That's 500 years before the law was given to Moses. Abraham's our, one of our spiritual fathers. We, our faith, right at that moment, God created a, a covenant with Abraham, with Abram. If you go back and read about people, some people say that Melchizedek was a type of Christ or a Christophany, or maybe some people say that he was Christ appearing in the Old Testament, but he had no genealogy. There's no proof of where he came from other than the prince of Salem or, or, or peace. And so it goes on to say, Genesis chapter 28, verse 22, gives us a deeper uh, picture of tithing. And Jacob, he says, and this stone, which I, I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. That's a tithe. Leviticus 27.30, and all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. That's why tithing isn't giving. Tithing is returning because the tenth, a tenth part of, a tenth part, one-tenth of everything you receive, God says it's already mine. It belongs to me, and you're either eating it or using it or giving it to somebody else, but when you give it back to me, when you return the tithe to me, I want to bless you because it shows me your heart is true. Watch this. Deuteronomy 26, 1 and 2. We're going to go through these quickly. And it shall be when you come into the land which your Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. He's given it to you and you possess it and dwell in it that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from the land of the Lord your God is giving you. Again, I'm giving you. You give it back. And put it in a basket. Go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. That's the church. That's the altar. That's the place where you're meeting with God. He says, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house, this holy thing that you gave me, the one-tenth. I've removed it from my house, and also I've given them to the Levites. That's the priest, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. According to all your commandments, which you have commanded me, I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. And watch what we do when we don't return. He says, I have not eaten any of it in mourning, meaning things got really bad there and I had to eat it. I haven't done that. Nor have I removed any of it for, my un for any unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. Imagine you have this thing that belongs to God in your pocket. You have this thing in your bank account or in your house that belongs to God. I imagine in, in, in my hand when I receive $100 or whatever the amount is, that part is God's. And if I use it for something unclean or I even pay a bill or do something that I think is important, I've just put that thing in front of God. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done According to all that you've commanded me, look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people. I have removed the holy tithe from my house and taken to the place where you have chosen to make your name abide. That's your house. Imagine if Jesus walked into the room right now and said, you should tithe, of course. Then you would. A lot of people say, well, if, if God tells me to, I will. Watch this. Matthew chapter 23, 23. Jesus says, these are words in the New Testament, 
in red, Jesus, Jesus said them, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, that's spices, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. In other words, he says, you tithe on everything, even the tiniest little spices that you're going to eat, you tithe on that. You do, you do that, but you forget the, the bigger things. He says, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, you should have done that, the weightier things without leaving the other things undone. You should have done, whichever way you look at it, you should have done them both. You should have done both things. And then again in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8, here mortal men receive tithes. This is incredible. Here mortal men receive tithes. That means when you write a check or about 95% of people give online. You go online, you're punching in the numbers, and boom, you send your tithe. Some of it's automatic. When you do that, mortal men, the pastors, the, 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 uh, the team receives it, and we use it for the, for the work of the Lord. We wouldn't be able to do this. We wouldn't be able to have church if, if you weren't giving, if you weren't tithing, if you weren't being obedient. But watch this. That same tithe, tithe is one of those things that is both of a seen physical thing, but it's also a spiritual thing. It's also an unseen thing because it says that when we tithe, that mortal men receive it here, but there he receives those tithes. That's incredible. I imagine whenever I give online that Jesus is just in heaven receiving my tithe, saying, heart's right. And whom of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Of course, that's Jesus. Finally, number three, and we'll get ready to close. Tithing, not only is it a test, not only is it biblical, but it's a blessing. For the next few weeks, we're going to shift away from the conversation about tithing and giving and right back into the elements of like the Beatitudes, those beautiful attitudes and how we have to adjust our attitudes. But I promise you, if you will just make a, an adjustment just in your in your tithing and in your finances. It will literally change everything else in your life. Watch this. In this passage, 2 Chronicles 31, Hezekiah the king is looking at uh, the, God's people in, this, in, in the nation, and he's, and he's saying, we have to return to God. We have to give. We have to bring the tithes, bring the offerings. He says, moreover, it says, moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to, to, to contribute support for the priests and the Levites. That's the church. That's the priests. That they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Now, when you bring your tithe and offering, not only helps us do all the like, incredible things that you see from week to week that we're reaching out and seeing people's lives transformed, but also enables me and the rest of the team to focus on bringing the teaching bringing sermons, studying small groups, developing the programs that every one of us enjoy. For the kids' programs, I love that we can trust when our kids go to class, they're going to come out, they're going to know a scripture. They're going to know the word of God. They're going to have that for the rest of their life. But those things are made possible because of our support. And Malachi says, I mean, Malachi says, bring it so that there might be food in my house. We take care of it. Imagine going and eating a steak. Some of you guys are steak lovers. 
Some of you are not. You're chicken breast, please. <laughs> I've seen you. <laughs> but ima- imagine you go to a restaurant and sit down and eat, and you eat the steak, you eat the chicken, and then you don't want to pay for it. Everything that happens in, in this place, in God's house, is paid for by someone. Somebody's paying for it. I, I often mention that you're, I get asked the question all the time, Pastor Sean, when are we going to have a building? When are we going to grow more? When are we going to do more? I say, we will go and grow as fast as you give and serve. And I'm not pressuring you to do any of this. In fact, this message is not me pressuring you. I don't want you to think, if you don't give, you're cursed. If you don't tithe, you're cursed. I, I absolutely think that there's a, a measure of grace that covers all of us. I think you can live your life and never even consider tithe, but the principle still works. And if you don't give God the tenth, the tenth is still going to get to God. Still, still going to, to work out that way. There are people that sit through church service every week. Maybe they even just watch online, but they go to small groups and they participate and they never give anything. And I'm, I love that we are a church that that can happen. I love that there are so many people. There are people that go to church here. And th- listen, this is from, I'm, I'm speaking to the Christians, speaking to the people who have committed your hearts to God right now. I love that we're a church where non-believers and unchristian people who are not Christians can come and sit and hear about God and what he has for their life. But I'm challenging you. If you, if, if, if you are following God and looking for the blessing that he wants to put on your life, then you should try and test God and see. And so let's read the rest of the verse. Second Chronicles 31.5. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, whole oil and honey, and of all the produce of the fields, and they brought, they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. So they just started heaping up the all of these things in the church, in the temple. And the children of Israel and Judah who dwelt in the cities of Judah brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God. They laid in heaps, piles. And the third month they began laying them in heaps and they finished in the seventh month. So every week, every month they were bringing. And when Hezekiah, the leaders, came in and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and and his people in Israel. Now we can do what God's asked us to do, but watch this. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left for the Lord has blessed his people. And what is left is this great abundance. So they weren't running out. God was blessing the people. And the, the Hezekiah, the king, questioned the priests. Now, wait a second. It's like he's worried about the people. All this is here. What about the people? They need to be taken care of. And the priests tell him, no, no, no. God's blessing the people. This is one-tenth. We're not, we're not over-taxing and over-tithing. We're not over-giving. This is a tenth. There are two testimonies that I hear over and over and over. And I'll close with this. People who tithe say, God has blessed me. And I, could, I couldn't live without tithing. And the other testimony is this. The other thing that I hear is, Pastor Sean, I just can't tithe. I can't afford to tithe. So the last 
thing I want to give you before you go is this, that you'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Like the, like the math doesn't add up. Because the priorities in our heart say, I have to do this first. I have to do this first. And so often we criticize this idea of tithing. We criticize this idea of giving out of my need because I, you want me to go without so I can just make sure that the church or the pastor, or, that's not it at all. What I want you to do is I want you to put God first like I have put God first. Because even when I, had to, when I give God everything, it's not just a saying to say you can't outgive God. When you give God a tenth, if you'll consistently just 60 days, 90 days, if you'll decide, God, I'm going to tithe and I'm not going to back up from it, I'm going to try it. This is me telling you that it works. God wants to see, are you, is your heart right? Are you taking care of my wife? The church is Christ's wife. Are you taking care of the things that I care about? So God tests our heart with tithing. And he wants, to, he wants us to change our heart. He doesn't, I think ultimately God cares about giving and God cares about where our money is only because that's where our heart is. God doesn't need our money. God's going to provide for his vision either way. Because let's say you decide, I'm not going to tithe. God wants his bride, the church, to be taken care of. God wants this church to grow more than I want it to grow, to see more people's lives change, taken care of. But God wants that more than I do. So if you say, no, I'm not going to tithe, God says, well, I can't bless my church in this channel through this person because they're not going to let me. So I'll find somebody who will. And if he just asks 10%, in order for him to take care of the church, he says, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to send this here. I'm going to bless this person, this person, so that the church can be blessed, so that the church can do what it's meant to do. And I'm the first one to tell you so many churches have gone off the rails and, and, and done things they shouldn't have done with money. We ought to be a shining example of saying, we shouldn't be using money the wrong way. We should be an open, transparent book to say, this is what we're doing with God's money. This is what we're doing with God's time. This is what we're doing with God's, the talent that he's put in me. So in closing today, I hope that you will put God to the test. Whether you're watching online today and you tithe to our church or somewhere else, I'm not, I'm not doing this to take an offering. I'm doing this because for once in in so many years, we're talking about a subject that will literally change your life if you'll just test God and see. Let's pray. God, today we've read your, your word and we, we take it to heart. Ultimately, Lord, we, wanna, we want our hearts to reflect the things that you want it to reflect. We want to be more like you. We want to be closer to you. We want our hearts to be soft and pure and holy before you. Today, Lord, let us hear your Holy Spirit so that we might become the people that you want us to be, that we might become the church that you have put us here to be. In Jesus' name, use us.
And now, before I let you go, I want to give an opportunity. There are people listening to this message. There, You're sitting maybe at your house or in your car or in this room. And you've never, you've never had a relationship with God. In fact, if you think about God, it's just something that feels far away. You don't feel close to God. You don't, you don't know what your relationship is with God. Can I offer you this, that God makes it so easy for us to not just start a relationship with Him, but, but start the right relationship with Him. Not this, oh, uh, me and God have a love and hate relationship. No. You can start a relationship today with God that is in good standing. You can be close to me. He said, if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. What we just read in Malachi says, if you'll return to me, I'll return to you. When you take one step, the scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So when we say this prayer together and make this confession, it's from our hearts that God come into my life. Make me new. Make me whole. Give me a new heart. Be my Savior. So if, if, you would want, if you want to say that prayer with me today, I would love to lead you through that prayer online or right here in the room. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Let's say this prayer together. Would you repeat after me? God, today I give you my life. Take my heart and make me whole. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of all the things I should not have done. I want to walk with you. I want to serve you. I want to make you my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you put your hands together and let's welcome everybody who said that prayer for the very first time, not to a church, but to a family and to the family of God. So with that said, Pastor Susan's going to come and we're going to close in worship. I love all of you. appreciate you being here. Look forward to seeing you either in the second service or next week. Amen. The band is on their way. Let's worship. Amen. Such a great message this morning. Amen. So good. I love that scripture in Second Chronicles where it says, The Lord has blessed his people. Everything left is abundance. Because we live in abundance. Amen. We live in the overflow. No need to, go, to tap into the reserve because God is that good for his people. Can we celebrate that for just a second? Abundance in everything that you do. We are so grateful and thankful that you guys were here today. And if you said that prayer of salvation today, maybe you're sitting in this room, maybe you're watching online, your journey starts today, hallelujah. We are rejoicing with you. You have a whole church family, a whole community ready to walk and serve beside you. Amen. Amen. We're going to go into our time of giving. There are ways to give on the screen behind me. We will also have an usher right outside that door with the bucket. And just remember, everything you give is given from the heart. Yes. So good. I'm going to invite you guys to stand with me today. We're going to worship just a little bit longer. And I'm going to pray you out. Lord God. We thank you for this house of worship today. We thank you for creating a place for us to come and to serve and to give, God. We pray over every dollar. Father, we give it back to you. It is yours in the first place, Lord God. We thank you for allowing us to just live in the overflow and in the abundance of all your blessings. 
thank you, Lord God. We worship you today. Amen.